Uh, my name's Steve Cunningham. I'm the senior lead pastor here at Wellhouse. Uh, I just want to tell you this morning, I'm thankful for always for uh, our Wellhouse band, uh, just a group of people who are passionate about, uh, yeah, give them a round of applause. Uh, they come in week in, week out. They practice together through the week. Uh, they come early, some of them really, really early to try to set up and uh, get things going um, so that together we can worship God. And so I'm really appreciative of, of their efforts. Um, those of you who, uh, who are moms, uh, we are grateful for you. And those of you who are just good at mothering, Man, we are really thankful for you as well. Uh, I grew up and and I had a, a I have a wonderful mom. She uh, I, I, as as I get older, I can recognize more and more. I don't know if this is the case for you of some of the sacrifices she went through. You know things she did, and I'm just really really appreciative of that. But I'm also really appreciative of the of the moms in my life who you know who, who didn't raise me, uh, but but who still. Uh, uh, are there and supportive and encouraging. And we've found that here at Wellhouse as well. I think about Barbara Tucker. Man, Barbara, Miss Barbara, uh, she is, if you've been mothered by her, you've been mothered well. I think about Leanne Shelby. If you've been mothered by her, man, you have been mothered well. And you've probably had some of those other uh, mother figures in your life that have just invested in you and loved you and supported you and gave you those little pieces of advice. Slow down and, you know, take time and enjoy those things in life. Moms do such a great job of that. And we're so appreciative of all of those moms in our life. We've been going through a series. We started actually last week uh, in the book of Galatians. And so if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and flip on open to the, the book of Galatians. Chapter 2 is where we're going to pick up today. Before we begin, I want to let you know, as Chris was talking about earlier, Wellhouse is a church that strives to be wildly generous. And we have an opportunity to do that here in the next couple of months. We're really looking forward to it. I gave you a date two weeks ago. That date was wrong, okay? And it, it wasn't intentionally wrong. It was right at the time. But yeah, some of you are like, boo, hiss. I know, I, sorry. It happens. Um, we had originally planned on June 4th to do something called a day for good. We've never done that here in Goodlettsville before. It's something brand new uh, that, that we kind of started as a, as a brainstorming session uh, in, our, in our wellhouse office, and it kind of grew and grew and grew um, to the point now where we have the city of Goodlettsville and the Chamber of Commerce and uh, the Dollar General and lots of other places and businesses and community people involved for a day for good where we're going to go out through the community and through the school systems and kind of all over Goodlettsville uh, doing good for the day uh, in the morning. And then in the afternoon, we're going to go back to City Hall uh, for a party. And we're going to have a, a band and kind of a cookout and just celebrate uh, our time in serving together. So we're really excited about that. And we want to invite you to be a part of that. We had to move it back so that we can do the best good possible. Uh, and so it's going to be in July. And I know what some of you are thinking, you're like, listen, that's when it's real hot. And um, you don't want to do that then. 
but a lot of our work is going to be inside. And so here's what I want you to do. Take out your phone, just like I have right now. I've taken mine out and, uh, and hit on that uh, July 23rd, July 23rd, reserve the morning part of that from about 9 to 11.30, we're going to be working. And then uh, after that, we're going to go back to City Hall and have a concert and a cookout. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We want to encourage you to come back to be a part of that. Now into our uh, message for today. Last week, just really briefly, I want to recap kind of where we were. Galatians, Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, and his letter to the, to the church in Galatia starts off different than every other church he writes off to. Usually it's, you know, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for you. I, I'm so eager and excited for you. But Paul starts off and he's, he's like, I don't know what's happening with y'all, right? I, 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 somewhere along the way, you lost the way. And he begins to talk to them about how they're, they're being tricked, they're being, they're being duped because there's a group of people called the Judaizers who are coming in and these, uh, these, this group of people is convincing them that Jesus is not enough for salvation, that it has to be Jesus plus and then all these other commands. Their issue wasn't, again, that, that Jesus wasn't good. They, they believed Jesus was good. And their issue wasn't that Jesus was holy. They believed Jesus was holy. Their issue wasn't even that Jesus was the Son of God. They believed that Jesus was the Son of God. For them, the issue was the sufficiency of Jesus as Savior. And this was important. This was so important to Paul last week. We talked about this, that it was the attack on the very core of the gospel message. And the very core of the gospel message is the gospel is the gospel because it doesn't depend on you. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how good you do it or how bad you do it. It doesn't matter what kind of past you had, if it was full of all kinds of mistakes and filth. It, it doesn't matter if you screwed up last night or this morning or this afternoon. It's not dependent upon you. And for Paul, that is the gospel. The whole crux of the gospel depends upon Jesus. Elizabeth Van S. in April 1990 was taken by her biological father. She and her family were raised in Madison County, Indiana. In fact, Anderson, Indiana, which is where I'm from. And her parents split. She was about four years old. And her father, who was slightly unstable, became even more volatile and unstable over the course of time. And he made all kinds of threats to Elizabeth's mom, and eventually those threats turned into action. And one day, he went to pick up a, a little Elizabeth, four years old, and he picked her up from school, and he took her, and he took her across the country. He got a different vehicle. He dyed her hair a different color. He even changed her name to Beth Stone. And for the next many months, she was held captive by somebody that she called dad, but who didn't treat her in the way that a father should. 
Eventually, in October 1990, the authorities found Elizabeth and her father, at which time Elizabeth told the authorities and eventually told her mother that her, her name was no longer as Elizabeth. It was Bestone. It had been forever changed. And through years and years and years of counseling, Elizabeth wrestled through the things that her father told her in those months of captivity. The lies, the, the manipulation, the, the changes of things, but she wrestled with those things so hard that eventually when she was 17 years old, she jumped off of the bridge of a bypass onto oncoming traffic in order to end her life. She shattered nearly every single bone in her body. Because at 17 years old, even though she was still no longer held captive by her father, she wasn't free. Some of you can understand that. See, you can be set free and still not live free. Some of you have grown up in places where you're now an adult and you, you have the freedom to do whatever you want to do, and yet you still wrestle with the bondage of past that somebody put on you. You're still wrestling with the bondage of something internally in your mind or in your heart. You're still wrestling with some stuff that has held you captive. As we look at that, we can kind of begin to see a little bit of what the Judaizers were looking at in this, this idea of, of the bondage that was happening, or this, this idea as Paul is beginning to talk to them about freedom in Christ, that Christ has come to set them free, except for the fact that here's this all of this bondage that comes with it. So even though Christ has come to give them a free life, the Judaizers and those who are, are looking at this, they're still held captive and they don't feel free. So Paul begins to talk to them and let them know and understand the gospel message. It's a gospel message that, that really wreaks havoc in all kinds of places. It doesn't just stay in the church building. My goodness gracious, wouldn't it be easier if our theology just stayed right here in some kind of building and we got to leave and go and do whatever we wanted to do? Right When we left here, we got to treat people how we wanted to treat them, how we felt like treating them. So as we pulled out on the road and somebody cuts in front of us or somebody takes too long in the line and you're thinking, my goodness gracious, this week we had the, that very thing. You know, I'm trying to pull into a parking spot and somebody painfully backing up, not noticing everything else around them. And I'm thinking to myself, I just want to kind of lay on the horn and roll down my window and yell out, listen, jerk. There are other people in this world. How about we revoke your license now and you just go live somewhere else? Don't tell me I'm the only one. You've been there before. You've said worse things. I've said worse things, okay? <laughs> but the gospel and our theology and our practice of who we understand God to be affects us on the outside. It affects how we treat others and how we live. Galatians chapter two, 
we see the gospel at work in a really meddling way, a really confrontational way. This is what it says in Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. This is a rough start. Before, certain men would come from James. He used to eat with the Gentiles, a different group, a different sect of people, a, a people who are very distinguished differently than Jews. But when they arrived... He began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group. And then other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Let's stop there just for a moment and kind of talk what's going on. Peter, who's one of the leaders in the church, Peter, who's the guy who remembered the story, he steps out of the boat and he says, all right, God, Jesus, talk to me, call me out. And, and he does and he walks on water. Peter, who's the guy who draws the sword and cuts off uh, one of the soldier's ears. Peter, who says, I'll never deny you. And then denies him three times. Peter, who, who, who Jesus says, listen, Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you. Peter, do you really love me? Of course I do. Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, then feed my sheep. Peter, on, on the understanding that I am God's son, I build my church. Peter, do you understand this? Of course I do. This is the same Peter who all of a sudden gets insecure. At one point in time, he's hanging out with Gentiles. Gentiles are the low ones. Gentiles are the ones that nobody wants to eat with. They're unclean. And all of a sudden, uh, when this group of Jews arrives, he says, I better not do that anymore. He says, I don't want them to think bad of me. I, I don't want them to judge me. I want them to think critically of me. I remember growing up in school and feeling peer pressure to kind of fit in. Ever been there before? Just me? Cool. Okay, good. I'll put my hand down too. All right, come on, listen, real. How many of you ever felt peer pressure in school to fit in? Raise your hand. This isn't a museum. There we go. All right. How many of you thought that that was going to go away once you got out of high school? How many of you realized that that never really goes away ever in your whole life, right? You just kind of have to battle through that. And that's exactly where Peter is and so Paul shows up on the scene and he realizes what Peter is doing. And he has to confront him. And this is what Paul, or Paul says about what Peter is doing. Verse 14. When I saw they weren't acting in line with the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel changes lives. The truth of the gospel breaks down walls. The truth of the gospel isn't held in prejudice, stereotypes. The truth of the gospel isn't caught up in politics. The truth of the gospel isn't caught up in racism. The truth of the gospel begins to eliminate those things by acting in love and unity. And this is what Paul understands. So he says this, I said to Peter in front of them all, you're a Jew, and yet you live like a Gentile, not a Jew. 
So how is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? You're living like a hypocrite. Verse 15, we who are Jewish by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. We get that it's not the things we do that make us right with God, but he says rather, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we who have a long-standing relationship with God understand at this point that it's not the things we do that make us right with God. It's our faith in who God is. So we too have to put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Man, is it so easy to begin to compare ourselves to somebody else, right? That's one of the reasons why I don't go into, I don't like to go into the gym. Some of you, you're great at it, and that's good. I walk in the gym, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm, I don't fit in here, right? This is, I I, I could go to all-you-could-eat buffet and feel a lot better about myself. (laughs) But I walk in here, and all of a sudden, I don't feel right, Because we have something internally within us that continues to look around and survey the scene and see where we measure up with everybody else. And Paul says, listen, in our Christian walk, that, that, that is a moot point. Because where you measure up with everybody else isn't even on a scale of where you measure up with God. And he's ultimately holy. And if you want to try to be like him, go ahead, knock yourself out. It's never going to happen. But if you want to justify yourself, then just believe in the one who is the only one who can save you. Verse 17. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves among the sinners, we try to do all the right things in all the right ways. We try to dot all the I's. We try to cross all the T's. But we find ourselves in the same boat as everybody else. Doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Doesn't that mean that, uh, listen, we're all just like a whole big group, a bunch of sinners. He says, nope, that's not it. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I really would be a lawbreaker, but for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. The life I live in the body, I now live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And he says, listen, there comes a time where I have to stop being held hostage by this idea that it's all on my back. It's all on my shoulders. It's all what I can do. And the freedom that comes through that is recognizing that when I die to that and I recognize Christ who's living in me, then I find true freedom. A part of this for Peter, especially, or Paul, especially in confrontation with Peter, is this idea of unity. 
this idea of bringing us all together, that I'm not better than you and you're not better than me and we may see things differently from time to time, but that God is working in all of us. And this reminder that, that Paul speaks over Peter, that he's not acting in line with the gospel, reminds us of this simple truth that the gospel demands unity. The gospel demands unity. And this is difficult because if you've ever been in any kind of relationship before, you know how hard unity can be. Those of you who have, have been married before, you remember that kind of that, the first like little bit of, of dating and maybe engagement. You remember those times? Come on now. Again, not in a museum here. You can speak back. You can talk back. You raise your hand. Remember those times? And you remember, do you remember those times where you're like, I love the cute little way that they cleared their throat. I love that. I love the way that they kind of leave stuff around. It's kind of neat. You said it. And everybody who had been married for like 10 years was like, oh, just wait. Just wait. And then over the course of time, those little things that you thought were cute weren't so cute anymore. And then you discovered something important about unity. And some of you are still discovering it. Because unity is not uniformity. Some of you in your relationships, you're waiting for uniformity. You're waiting for everybody to have the, the same consensus on the idea. You know, you, you want to have that kind of, all right, we're, we're together in this parenting. We see it eye to eye. Or we see eye to eye on finances. We see eye to eye on, on this, this, this religious thing. Or we see eye to eye on where we're going to live or how we're going to spend time or how we're going to spend money. We see eye to eye on it, but you don't see eye to eye on it. And it's a problem. But I'm here to tell you that the goal of unity is not uniformity. It will never happen that way. The goal of unity is to appreciate and live in harmony with diversity. Think about that. That I appreciate the ways in which my wife is different than me. And it challenges me and it motivates me and sometimes it frustrates me, but it frustrates me in good ways that I need to change. And it rubs off some of the rust in areas that I need rust to be rubbed off on so that I can, I can shine a little bit better and a little bit more. The same is true for her. Moms, as you walked in today, if you didn't grab one of these, make sure on the way out, grab one of these there's, there's a little, it's a little gift for you from, from Wellhouse and little shovel, couple of seeds. And we, and we, our, our understanding about moms is moms cultivate our world. Moms do a great deal of digging up in our life, right? And sometimes moms, it feels that way. It's like you keep digging and digging and you're like, I don't know that I'm getting anywhere, right? And you're planting all the seeds and planting all the seeds and Eventually, over time, you look around and you see, all right, man, what I did, it made a, a difference. 
And so today, as we kind of look through this, this idea of unity, I have a couple of thoughts that will help us as we fall in line, as Paul says, with this gospel of unity. These, you can take screenshots if you'd like, and they might be kind of confrontational for you. In fact, you might kind of walk away from this with sore toes or, you know, questions for Steve. And if so, please, let's discuss those. But here's, here's the first one. You don't have to have an opinion on every issue. There you go. You don't have to have an opinion on every issue. Our culture is designed in such a way that you have to have an opinion on everything that comes up. And we hear the latest news stories, like everybody is ringing in with all their thoughts about it. And suddenly you feel like you have to weigh in because everybody else is weighing in on every issue. And so you need to get your opinion out there. In fact, people are wanting to know, what do you feel about this thing over here? How do you feel about that thing over there? Here's what's really beautiful about the life of Jesus. He teaches us not only how to die, but how to live. And do you know that there's a lot of times where Jesus is asked questions about his opinion and he keeps his mouth closed. And it's beautiful. <laughs> and it's a reminder for us. Listen, it's a reminder for us that we don't have to have an opinion on every issue. And if you have to have in your house an opinion on every issue, I can tell you, you will not be unified. It just won't happen. Church, if we have to have an opinion on every single thing, there is no way we will be unified. It just won't happen. There's times where it's like, okay, I'm just, I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve. I'm going to do that and I'm going to love instead because I don't have to have an opinion on every issue. Second thing is this, just because you're not wrong doesn't mean you're 100% right. Just because you're not wrong doesn't mean you're 100% right. I can't tell you how many times in my life that I was not wrong. I thought I was 100% right and then I heard the other side of the story. And all of a sudden, I realized I didn't have all of the pieces of the puzzle to put together the whole thing. So what I saw, I had adequately described. But how it got to that place or how that thing happened was completely different than what I had made up in my mind. But because I wasn't wrong, I thought I was 100% right. And that's not true. See, there are people that think differently, act differently, believe differently, have different understandings of how the world works or how politics works or how racism works or how religion works. And we think, because we see the outcome of that, that they're 100% wrong and we're 100% right. And I'm here to tell you that just because you're not wrong doesn't mean you're 100% right. And that's hard. And we will never know unless we're willing to sit and listen. And it's tough. Number three, you don't have to share your opinion for it to be valuable to you. You don't have to share your opinion for it to be valuable to you. There can be things that are valuable that you hang on to. 
I want you to think about this in life. Is there some kind of fam family heirloom that you have and your, your family's been passed down from one generation to the next or maybe something that somebody made for you, your grandma or your mom? You may, do, you, do you just go around giving that to everybody? Come on now. No, no you don't. In fact, Jesus teaches about this. Do you know this? He says, don't throw your pearls to, come on. To swine, to pick. Depends on what version you grow up reading it, doesn't it? Because this is what he says. They're gonna, they're gonna trample that gift, they're gonna trample that value, and then what's gonna happen next? They're gonna come and tear you to pieces. Why? Because they don't understand the value in what you've given them. You've been there before? You thought, man, I'm going to help somebody out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to share with them a bit of wisdom. I just learned a little bit of truth. I'm going to share it with them. And all of a sudden, it, all hell broke out. And they tore you to pieces. And you can't figure it out for the life of you. And Jesus said, hey, sometimes you're going to have pearls. Don't throw them to pigs. There's going to be some people you encounter where you just say, you know what? This, is, this opinion is valuable, but it's valuable to me. And that's where it's going to stay. You ready for the next one? Here we go. You don't have to double down on an opinion or an emotion or an action to save face. You ever believe something and you were outspoken about it, <laughs> and you acted in a way that was outspoken about it, and then later it was like, well, I'm not sure I believe that way, but I was so outspoken about it that now I have to reinforce that, right? Sometimes as parents, we find ourselves in that predicament. You ever been there before? We are like, listen, you do that thing again. I'm telling you what, buddy, it's over. You're going to be grounded for three months at least, and they do it again. And you're like, uh-oh. Well, this is bad news. As you being grounded from that means I'm grounded from that too. And so you double down on the thing that never made sense to begin with. Or maybe over time, you had some time to reflect and realize that you don't have to be as hard stanced on that thing as you thought possible, but you feel like you have to save face. It's a matter of pride. It's a matter of ego. It's a matter of holding on to me. It's a matter of showing I can be dependable and determined and loyal. And, and I'm steadfast in this thing. And I'm here to tell you, you don't have to double down on an opinion or an emotion or an action to save face. You don't have to connect. This is so vitally important. You don't have to connect your identity to your opinions. You don't have to connect your identity and your opinions together. Man, oh man, we live in a world that preaches this. That your identity and your opinions are, are long, uh, arm in arm together and they march forward. And that's simply not true. You can have an identity separate and apart from your opinions on what happens in the world. Last of all, 
You don't have to continue having a discussion with somebody if you discover that you are not ready to engage in a healthy way. You don't have to continue to have a discussion if you recognize in the middle of it, and listen, I'm not healthy enough to move forward in this discussion. Can I tell on myself and you guys not tell anybody else? Some of you laughed, and I don't know what to make of that. I'll tell you anyway. A couple of years ago, we were, Veronica and I were newly married. We had five kids. Uh, We're learning how to do this blended family thing together uh, in a new state, in new schools, and all these kinds of things. And we lived on a dirt road, uh, which in Michigan means you're, I don't know, in the upper class, but and feel that way. And usually dirt road means not that much. But, uh, but anyway, we're on a dirt road, which meant it's either dusty or it's muddy. There's no in between. And our kids' bus stop is like a mile down the road, raining all day long, huge mud puddles, right? Stress of dad life and job and all, you know, all those things come to mind. And I'm walking down, or we're, we're, I'm thinking about walking down in the rain and mud to get the kids off the bus. <clears throat> and I decide I'm not going to walk in the rain because that's a bad idea, and bringing all the kids back in the rain and through the mud, that's a bad idea. So I'm going to drive down, and I drive down with my wife and our younger ones in the car. And we pull up to where the, the bus stop is, and it's right in front of an older woman's house. And she's got like a little turnaround. You've seen those driveways before where you kind of half moon, you can turn around. She has kindly put cinder blocks out so no parent can drive their car through to conveniently pick up their kids. And it's pouring rain and it's muddy and I'm tired and I'm angry. And that lady comes out of her house and I meet her with all kinds of force. I mean, I'm yelling and I'm screaming and I'm so over the top angry, right? And she kind of stays there like a deer in the headlights as I unleash all of my fury on this poor woman. Not my proudest moment. My kids all see their witness. And I could safely say (laughs) that I was not at a place where I was ready to engage in a healthy way. And my guess is that you probably may not have to go back too far to think about some times where you engaged with somebody and you were not in a healthy place (laughs) to engage. And it's a reminder That when those times come and you feel frustrated, you feel anxious, you feel overwhelmed, it's okay to say, listen, I may not be in the healthiest of places to discuss this right now, but later I can be. And leave it at that. See, if our goal is this gospel of unity where we, the world, come together under the unity of Christ, then we have to figure out how to belong to one another. We have to learn how to get along with one another, even though we're different, even though we don't see things eye to eye. When we focus on the rules and 
who's doing it best or better, or who's got more of the right answers, or who's got this on lock and who doesn't. And we start pointing the fingers and figuring out who's more wrong rather than the one who is right. See, Galatians 2, 15 through 16 reminds us that we're not right by keeping the rules. God's not pleased with self-improvement. Sure, he wants you to grow in him. But things are made right when we lift up and acknowledge the one who is. We're made right through a faith in the one who makes things right. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Band, if you'll come on up to the stage. Moms, don't forget, uh, if you haven't already, definitely pick these up. And it's a reminder uh, as you go out to cultivate the world around you that it takes hard work. It takes sowing seeds in places that look overgrown and wild for beauty to come out. But we want to give you another gift. And in fact, moms, we don't want to just give it to you. We want to, we decide that this is a gift we're going to give to all of our partners at Wellhouse. We have partnered together with something called Right Now Media. And Right Now Media uh, is going to be a, a free gift for all of our partners here at Wellhouse. And really what it is, is, is a discipleship tool. It's a way to grow your faith in Christ because that matters to us. And we want to equip you at home. Right now, media acts a lot like um, Netflix. If you're familiar with Netflix, you kind of can, can go there and, and uh, upload many different videos. Now, there's literally thousands and thousands of uh, devotionals and uh, uh, things for kids. There's cartoon, Christian cartoons, and, and there's stuff for teenagers. There's stuff for men. There's stuff for women. There's stuff for marriage. There's stuff for mental health. There's stuff for addiction. There's stuff for all kinds of things, finances, and, and, and all those things exist on there. There's stuff for small groups and, and life groups and ministry groups, and it's all there. And we want to provide you this as a free tool to help you Grow your faith. So here in the next couple of minutes, uh, if we have your email, you're going to be re receiving an email from us that helps you sign up for Right Now Media. It'll walk you through the steps. But if you don't get that email, then that means we don't have your email. And we want to get that so we can give you that free gift. Um, so make sure if you don't get that over the next week, uh, let us know. We want to make sure that we can get that in your hands. But ultimately, we want to help you grow. We want to help you grow in your relationship with God, and we want to help encourage your faith. We believe in the gospel of unity, and we look forward to walking through that with you. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are grateful for you. We are grateful for the way in which you encourage us and instruct us in truth where you confront us like Paul had to confront Peter about some of his behaviors. God, when you confront us and remind us that we don't have all the answers in life, that we aren't good enough, and that's okay. Because you sent your one and only son to save us. And it's through our confession and our belief in him 
when we start to make things right with you. So God, help us in that. Help us in the quest of being more like you each and every day. We pray all of that in the power and might of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.